And uh, so we're going to look at what does the Bible say about second chances. Now, I'm going to be looking at a lot of different scriptures tonight. One place I would like for you to turn, uh, turn to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then the next book is the book of Judges. Joshua, I'm sorry, Joshua then Judges. All right, Joshua then Judges. One of the reasons that we go back and we look in the Old Testament for principles, godly principles, in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime. In other words, whatsoever things were written in the Old Testament, it says, were written for our learning. We can go in the Old Testament and we can look at examples how God responded in certain situations and we can come up with the godly principles that God has given us and how God responds. So that's what we're going to look at. And let me finish that verse in Romans 15 and 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So, I'm telling you, it is not a waste of time to get into the Old Testament and find out what these, these stories and these events and how God responds because I want you to know that tells us who God is. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we go back there and we look at these scriptures, we're going to see that, uh, that this is the principles that God has for us in our lives. Now, in Judges chapter 2, and verse 6, we're going to be reading all the way through to verse 23. And I have to tell you, I did a funeral the other day, and my King James Bible is left at the funeral home. And uh, all I have with me tonight is a, a New International Version, so I'm going to be reading from it tonight. But let's look, first of all, at Judges chapter 2 and verse 6, and we're looking to learn what God has for people with second chances. Now... Verse number 6, After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each in his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Now, this is where Joshua has taken the children of Israel into the promised land. You read chapter 1, you're going to find out that they went in, they started claiming the land just as God had promised them. They had, they had made great victories in this. And now Joshua, the one that has led them into the promised land, he is about to die. Look in verse number 8. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land of his inheritance at Tithma, uh, Heres in the mountain, the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gashus. Now, after that whole generation had gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. In other words, here came a generation that the parents did not pass down the stories and they did not pass down the traditions and the customs of serving the Lord. 
Oh, what a, what a disaster. So what the people started doing, they just started worshiping and serving. They're in this country that they've taken over. They didn't go over there and, and completely annihilate those people. So now they're worshiping the gods that were in that land. It says, they followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger. This verse 13. Because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashrops, those were totem poles, in his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around who they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Just as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. Now, if you go back to some of the promises God made to Abraham and to the nation of Israel, he said, listen, as long as you serve me, my hand will be with you. If you stop serving me, I will take my hand away from you. A lot of people today think that God is against them. It's not that God is against them. It's just that God has removed His hand of blessing. He has removed His hand of protection. And this is exactly what's taking place to the nation of Israel. When they started serving God, it's not that God was against them. God says, listen, if you're going to serve those other gods, I'm going to just take my protection, my blessing off of your life, off of my people, and what's going to take place is just going to happen. By nature, it's just going to happen. So this is what He said to them. In verse number 16, Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. Unlike their fathers, they quickly turned from the way in which their fathers had walked, the way of obedience to the Lord's command. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, He was with the judges and saved them out of the hands of their enemies. As long as the judge lived, as long as the judge lived. For the Lord had compassion on them as they groaned under those who oppressed and afflicted them. This is what he said. Now, a judge, this is what they're they're calling judges. It was was more like a king. Now, he wasn't a king, but this was what was, was happening. The people would turn and they would worship idols and then they would cry out to the Lord. I mean, they were, repre- they were repressed, they were uh, beaten down, they were, uh, they, they were abused. And then they would cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, save us. Then the Lord would send in one of the judges. Thus the name of this book, the book of Judges. And as long as the people followed that judge, God prospered them. Because they turned their eyes back to the Lord. They started worshiping the Lord. And then it just said right here, we just read it. When the judge died and they lost their leadership, well, then the people went right back to serving the Baals. And then again, God went, Okay, I'll move my hand of protection from you. And he allowed the raiders to take them over. He allowed the people to come and rob from them. He allowed the things of the world to just consume them. And that's what happened. Now, I want us to see something here. This is the pattern that takes place throughout the book of Judges. And the reason that we're talking about a God of second chances, 
When you read the book of Judges, there were 12 different judges in the book of Judges that came and rescued the nation of Israel out of bondage. So this is what, this is what happens. Is God a God of second chances? The nation of Israel would serve God, and when a judge died, they quit serving God. And they would hit the bottom. And then they would cry out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, we need help. God would send a judge. The judge would rescue them. He would pull them out. The judge would die. And then they turned against the Lord. They would cry out. He would send a judge. They would worship the Lord until he died. And then back into the... Twelve times. So is God a God of second chances? Third chances? Fourth chances? Fifth chances? Oh my goodness, we could just go on and on and on. So what we're looking at tonight is what does the Bible say about second chances? Does God give us second chances? How many of us in here have blown it? Has God came, has he came to your rescue? Every time you cry out to the Lord, I'll promise you he's there. God, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is God's desire for every single one of us to have a relationship with Him. And I will tell you also what the Scripture says. There is nothing anyone in here has ever done or that you will ever do that God has not already forgiven someone just like you for. He's already done that. So we don't have to say, well, Brother Wayne, you don't understand what I've gone through. You don't know what I have done. God could never forgive me. Oh, no, you're wrong. I, I could give you examples in the scriptures of things that you would never think of doing. We're talking about, you, you name it, murder, rape, adultery. Uh, just, it, it, it's just unfathomable. It gives those examples in the scriptures. And God, if, if they are willing to turn from him, he is willing to rescue them and save them. Now, a couple of these judges, now there was, like I said, there was 12 of them. I don't think you would recognize many of the names, but a couple of the names I think we would. Gideon, that one familiar? Samson, that one's familiar? Deborah and Barak, those are, that's another one. And then some of them other, the other nine names are just Ethan and Shamrock, and there was a lot of other names, but I didn't think many of us would remember those names. But these are, these are the stories of some of the judges that we remember and so we see that God uses an example, the whole book of Judges, to show us that He is a God of second chances. Now, I used a scripture this morning, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 10. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 10. What we find out is the nation of Israel has again done this. I mean, here they are taking a nosedive. And the nation of Israel is beginning to serve idols. Even in Jerusalem, inside the city, even the high priest, some of the leaders in the nation of Israel are serving idols secretly. It would be, it would be just like me coming up here and preaching a sermon on Sunday morning and then me privately during the week going and serving idols and doing all these ungodly things and then coming back and preaching. That's what some of the high priests were doing. And this is what God allowed them to do. He said, listen, he sent Jeremiah, he sent Isaiah, he sent several of the prophets to the nation of Israel and said, listen, if you do not stop, I'm going to send a nation in 
the nation of Babylon, to come in and take you captive and take you away from your land and scatter you across the nations to punish you for your idolatry. But then, watch what he says in Jeremiah chapter 29, says this, verse number 10, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, that's the punishment, the discipline, he says, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and causing you to return to this place. Talking about Jerusalem. He says, For I know the thoughts I have towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Now listen, this is what God tells the nation of Israel before they ever get back to the land. He says, man, I can't wait for y'all to get back. I know, I, 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 how, many, how many of you have ever had to give your kid a whipping? I, I heard a discussion the other day. A, a, a parent was saying something and there was a couple of four and five year old kids standing around there and, and one of the parents used the word, the word whipping. None of those kids even knew what a whipping was. But listen, I can remember the days when I would have to discipline my children, my boys, and I would give them a whipping. And I remember they'd go to their bedroom, and I would go and sit on the couch, and when they got through in the bedroom or crying, or they'd come and they'd snuggle up next to me. And I'm like, I, I do not understand those dynamics. I would think they were mad. But they come and they would, oh, they would snuggle up next to you. And I want you to know... God was saying this about the nation of Israel. He says, I cannot wait. Because after I've got through disciplining you over these 70 years, when you come back to Jerusalem, you are going to desire that relationship with me. I can't wait. I've got a plan for you. I'm going to prosper you. You're going to be successful. Wait till you get back. That is a principle of God. God desires for you to come back. No matter how far we strayed away, God desires to give us that second chance. He is simply waiting on you and me to come back. Another example that we find in Ezekiel chapter 37. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 37 with me. Now many of you will understand, you'll remember this when you get there. How many of you know the story of the dry bones in the valley? The dry bones. Who do the dry bones represent? The nation of Israel. And this is what God is saying. He said, listen, nation I am giving you a second chance. I am giving you a second chance. This is going to be Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read Isaiah 43 because Isaiah 43 is a prophecy of what he is talking about in Ezekiel 37. In Isaiah 43, he says this, Fear not... For I am with thee, I will bring thy seed. He's talking to the nation of Israel. I'm going to bring your seed from the east, and I'll gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. This is in Isaiah is a prophecy of what is God is going to do for the nation of Israel. Okay? This is a prophecy. Now, when we look in, in Ezekiel 37, this is a similar 
prophecy of what is going to take place. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were many in that open valley, and lo, they were very dry. So he says, Ezekiel, I want you to go out. This was a battlefield. This was a battlefield where the the uh, the dead that were killed during the battle, listen, they would have battles and two and three hundred thousand would be killed at a time. Listen, they couldn't go, They all they done was left the bodies to be just, nature took its course. He went to this valley and he looked at this valley and there were dry bones, very dry bones. It says many dry bones. Verse number three, and he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He says, Listen, Ezekiel, I want you to stand on this hill, and I want you to look at those dry, dead bones, and I want you to start preaching to them. That's what he said. I want you to start preaching to them. Verse number 5, Thus saith the Lord unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you, or in other words, tendons, and I will bring up flesh upon you, and I'll cover you with skin, and I'll put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones begin to come together. Knee bone connected to the leg bone, leg bone connected to the... That's where that song came from. Bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them about, and there was no breath in them. Then said he unto the Lord, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Now, he's fixing to explain why he done all of this. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Now, this is what he's saying. He said, The nation of Israel... My chosen people have rejected me and they have rejected me and they have rejected me and they have rejected me. I sent my son and they rejected my son. He became, what's, what's it say in John chapter 1? I, be, I became as one of them and they knew me not. I came unto my own and they knew me not. Jesus was a Jew and they rejected him. And what did the Lord say was going to happen if they continued and continued and continued to reject? He says, I am going to scatter you as far as the east is from the west. And he began to scatter the nation of Israel. Anyone remember what Hitler did with all the Jews that were over there? Man sent them to gas chambers. They were scattered all over Russia. They were scattered all over the world through those wars. But this is what the scripture says. God said, listen, 
I'm a God of second chances. I'm going to call my people from the north. I'm going to call them from the south. I'm going to call them from the east. I'm going to call them from the west. And I am going to make them a nation again. And one scripture says, and they will become a nation overnight. How is that possible? How can a group of people become a nation overnight? And in 1948, God fulfilled that promise that He made to His people. And overnight, the United Nations... Was it the United Nations? The United Nations voted because of all that Hitler had done to them that he, they would give them a parcel of land and overnight the nation of Israel was born again. Do you believe that God is a God of second chances? My goodness. Let me, let me see if I've got it here. Let me read you a scripture out of uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, this is, uh, this is one of the scriptures when uh, Jason had uh, that Jenga, is that what it's called, that Jenga game, where you put all the little blocks together and ask some of the people, if you would, to write a favorite scripture or something. This is the scripture that I put on uh, his Jenga box, because as we live life, not just as teenagers... Not just in our 20s and 30s when most people say they're sowing their wild oats. But sometimes we veer away from the Lord. And we just need an opportunity to come back. This is how, this is how Isaiah 1 and 1 starts off. It says, the vision, this is out of the NIV. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amos saw during the reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now... Listen to what he says. Hear, O heaven. Listen, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey his own manger, but Israel does not know my people. Do My people do not understand. And now, if you continue to read, I want you to know, he rakes Israel over the coals. He says, you have left me. I've done everything for you. I don't know why. I've been gracious to you. I've been merciful to you, but you've turned your back on me. And then he gets to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. And this is what he says. He says, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be as wool. God said, listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. I'm a God of second chances. I'm a God of second chances. Christian, He is a God of second chances. This is a nation. This is the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. The principle, God says, I'll give you time, a chance after chance after chance. You simply just need to come back. You've got to take the first step. I want you to know I'm standing there with open arms. How many of us, how many of us, again, you've heard me say this before, praise God for, for more than just three-day revivals anymore. I remember on a Thursday night is when I got saved. I'm glad they didn't stop on a Wednesday night because if they'd have stopped on a Wednesday night, I might not have got saved because Thursday night is the night I got saved. But I want you to know the Lord tugged on my heart Sunday night. He tugged on my heart Monday night. He tugged on my heart Tuesday night. He, I'm so glad He didn't give up on me. 
I turned down the invitation for salvation time and time and time again. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want you to know He's not going to give up on you. You may say, well, I, you know, I, I remember sitting in that service and I was under conviction. And I, I wanted to come forward. I, I wanted to get saved, but I just, I just would not. Listen, God's God of chances, second chances, third chances, again and again and again. Now let's look at an example real quick. And I'm not going to, to go into any great detail, but I want you to know even Jesus talked about being a God of second chances. Look in Luke chapter 15. Look in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, uh, this is a familiar story with most, most, with most of us. It's the event of the prodigal son. I'll just read a couple of verses right here at the beginning. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It says there, Jesus continued. He says, there was a man who had two, two sons. The younger one said unto his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there swandled his wealth in wild living. You just use your imagination in what the wild living is. He had, he had lots of money. He went to the big city and he swandled all of the money that the, his daddy had given him. So now you would think, you would think, I mean, boy, you got everything you got coming to you. Don't come back crying to me. But we see that that is not the case that takes place. We continue to read down there. He's, it says uh, in verse number 17, this is when the young boy is out of famine, is hit. He's now out feeding pigs, trying to eat what the pigs is eating. And he says, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. You continue to read and you're going to see that the father was looking for his return. In our relationship. Hey, now listen. I'm, it could be that every single person in this room tonight is, is on, a, on the straight path with God and your relationship is perfect and you're saying, well, Brother Wayne, why are you preaching this to us tonight? Because I'm telling you, there may, you don't know what's going to come around the corner two months from now. You need to remember this message. And you need to remember that even though you have strayed, something's come into your life, fully taken you completely off guard. You didn't see it coming. Blindsided you. And now you're off in the world and you didn't have any plans to do that. We know this guy did. But you didn't have any plans to, to quit coming to church. You didn't have any plans for that guy or that girl to show up in your life. You didn't have any plans for this to happen in your life. I want you to know when you come to your senses, understand that the Father is looking down the road for you to come back. He's looking for you to come back. Now, I love, I love, and I didn't know this until the history, I read history of how the men and the servants 
relationship was in that day. When a servant or a slave would flee from its master, when they brought them back, and when even, even if the sheriff had them on both sides and they brought them back to their master, they would make them get down on the ground before their master. And what their master would do, he would take his foot and he would place it on their shoulder, showing that you have got to be submissive to me. You belong to me. And that son knew that tradition. He knew that routine. But this is what happened. When that son returned, and that son came back, and he fell on his face before his father, and he said, Father, I have sinned against you. The father did not take his foot and place it on his shoulder to show him, Son, yeah, you're going to pay back every dime I gave you. The Bible said, the Bible said that he fell on his neck. His boy is on the ground in front of him, kneeling, pleading for forgiveness, and his dad, looking for him, goes and meets him, and he falls down on his neck. They're both on the ground now because he was looking to give his boy another chance. A God of second chances. A God of second chances. All through the Scripture, we want to know what the Bible says about second chances. I want you to know God desires a relationship with you. And when we're sincere and when we're repentant, I want you to know God is willing no matter how many times. As a matter of fact, Peter asked Jesus one time. Uh, in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? And Jesus said, No. I say unto you until seven, seven, until seven times, until seventy times seven. In other words, listen, every time he's repentant, you forgive him. You restore him. Because that's the kind of God that I am. Listen, I like that scripture in that, that, that God says, I remember that, that we, man, is dust. That's what we're made out of. We're just made out of clay. We're just jars of clay is what we are. And God recognizes that. Now let me just share just a couple of scriptures that cover this whole broad subject that we're talking about uh, what does the Bible say about second chances? Listen to a couple of these scriptures. First John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John was written to a group of Christians, believers. He's talking to us. Second Peter 3 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward not willing that any should perish. In Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 21, he says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. In other words, he says, This is one of the reasons that I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because of the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Every single one of us in here deserve death, misery, heartache, suffering. But it's because, listen, it's because of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not, 
and they are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Praise God every single morning. His mercy towards me is renewed. Because you know what He done about yesterday? Yesterday He's done forgotten about. He woke, I woke up this morning, and it's like a brand new morning. How much mercy have I got today to pour out on Wayne Bickley's life? And, uh, hey, he might have to use a whole lot of mercy tomorrow. All right? But I want you to know, he goes to this, this, this vat that is full this morning, and, and man, before the day's over, it may get close to empty, but in the morning when I wake up, he looks at that vat and it's full and running over again. His mercy endures. It's long-lasting. It is not consumed. His, his mercy is renewed every morning because His compassion fails not. In Psalms 86 and 15 it says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and in truth. Aren't you glad that we serve a God of second chances? Now, I'll tell you, as we look through the Scriptures, I I guess probably one of the subjects that you could never exhaust as you go through the Scriptures is this subject right here. Over and over and over. If we started listing the names of men in the Bible that that had second chances, I just, one of them I remember is Peter. Remember old Peter? No, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. God, Moses. Uh, uh, The list just goes on and on and on. Abraham, David, Mark. I I mean, almost everyone in the Bible has taken advantage, not taken advantage, has had an opportunity for God to pour out His mercy in their life because we are a people who need second chances. Second chances for living, second chances for salvation, and we could even extend this message into now that we serve a God of second chances, be a people of second chances. That's a whole lot harder to do, isn't it? But we sure do like that we serve a God that His mercy is renewed day by day. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you now, we read your word, and we are so encouraged by seeing what you say about a God of second chances. We see the principle that you lay out in your word and the examples that you give us that you are a God of second chances. So I pray that we will uh, apply this in our life. God, if we're here tonight and, and we have failed you, We have gone the way of the world, and we feel guilt, we feel shame. God, help us recognize your mercy, your long-suffering, your patience, your kindness, your forgiveness. Help us recognize those traits that you have. God, encourage us through your Holy Spirit to come back home, to, uh, to renew our relationship in that way. Father, if we're here tonight and and we've never accepted that salvation call on our life like you have given some of us so many different times and we've rejected it, God, thank you for that next call. 
that next opportunity. God, help us not pass it by. Thank you again for your word. I want to thank you for this group of people that have come out tonight that are hungry to learn more about what you have for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.